Hello and welcome to ProdPod. We're a part of This Is HCD. We're bringing all human-centred practitioners real and honest conversations about product management. My name is Adrian Tan and I'm the co-founder of BrainMates. In this episode, I caught up with Nick Costa, a veteran product management practitioner, and Jerry Scullion. We're going to be talking about the dreaded NPS. More importantly, what's good about it, if any, as Jerry says, and what's not good about it. We also give practical advice for practitioners who are working in organisations who might be using it and working with teams who are so focused on it. It's a fun episode, so let's just jump into the conversation. I guess, you know, my experience with NPS, it goes back probably about 10 years and it start, I started to see it a lot more when I was working in organisations, especially in Australia. I'm not a, ma- a major fan and I've never been a major fan of it. So I guess I've become from the side of um, saying why we shouldn't use it. I don't know what Nick's perspective is, but um, I'll pass it over to Nick and hear his thoughts on, on NPS. Sure. Well, I, I've seen it being used a lot in the past and actually for quite a long time I thought, what the hell is NPS? Um, yeah. didn't actually know what it stood for and so it has been quite a, a mysterious metric that everybody was using and it seemed to have if the net promoter score went up that so that's what it stands for net promoter score yeah um, if the net promoter score went up then that seemed to mean good things for the business but I could never quite work out how that score actually connected to positive revenue or, or positive growth of the organisation. There didn't seem to be a direct connection there. Yeah. So I've always sort of questioned or queried it in the past. Yeah, I know from my perspective, if I was doing research, especially in the earlier days and, and probably as UX and service design was maturing in Australia in 2011, 2012, I would come back with some research and the NPS score would contradict what the research was stating. And they're like, no, but the NPS has gone up. And I'm like, but I've got all these problems here that haven't been addressed. And that's kind of where the relationship between me and NPS starts to, I'd like to say suffer, but uh, deteriorate is probably a, probably a better way of describing it. And that's still there. It's still, if they're using NPS, it seems to have this this trait of disrespect regards qualitative research and actual real customer problems that can actually give them real insights and stuff that they need to fix right away. And what about you, Nick? Have you seen any correlation between any performance of, you know, great business outcomes versus high MPS scores or vice versa? Well, I think I do most of the training. So I'm in the classroom training people most of the time. So the experience I have is a lot of people when we talk about metrics to measure the business, they'll come up with NPS as being one of the great things to, to use to measure the business. And then I'll ask, well, how does that turn into money? Because any metric ultimately has to have some influence on the on the revenue or the cost of the business to represent the sustainability of the business. And that's usually where the conversation stops. MPS is seen as an endpoint, not a, a starting point for a conversation about how things turn into either more profitability, more growth, more revenue, or something that actually represents a financial uh, transition for the business. Do you think we're being too harsh about MPS? No. I mean, <laughs> straight away, no. It's the one thing that I guess I'm a little bit impatient. If I have the same conversation twice in a day, I'm kind of like, okay, I can get away with that. But I've been having this this conversation for, it seems like, years. And I totally respect organizations that are using it and they're seeing some results from using it. But I think there's better ways of doing it. And that's the role of service design and UX, whatever product management, whatever you want to call it. There are better ways of doing this. And there's, there's better ways to deliver value for the customer. 
and NPS for me just doesn't do it. It's, it's just too vague. I think NPS is, even when it's being used to its best intent, which is to try and get some gauge of customer satisfaction mm. such that they would, in an ideal world, refer to another person or a potential customer the and tell a story and say, hey, it was an amazing experience, you should use this too. In yeah. practice, that never happens. But um, even if it's used in that intent, it's still a blunt instrument. Yeah. It's not a fine-grained research tool to find out what's actually happening. Yeah. There's very little granularity to it. There's no insight. Mm. There's only a numerical and a fairly simple numerical measure yeah. of this arbitrary customer satisfaction. Yeah. I mean, if it was an instrument, if it was like a tool, I don't even think it would be a mallet. I think it would be a foam mallet. But at least if they that, have a tool. It wouldn't tool. hit anything and give you any damage. It wouldn't give you any impact. Look, I'm not a fan of NPS either because I think that people put too much weight on NPS and therefore at the detriment of other probably better measures of um, customer delight, customer satisfaction mm. and success of the business. But don't you think that businesses have something to kind of focus on as opposed to absolutely no numbers whatsoever. So Something is mm. better than nothing. Something yeah. is better than nothing. Well, I, I think that, like I said, when it's being used well, it can be a good sort of dashboard indicator to say something is right or something is wrong or something is generally improving and other things are not improving. That's if it's being used well. If it's not being used well, it's just a vanity indicator yeah. and people can game it and, and use the language around the question of would you refer this to somebody else? And by the way, if you do, we might you might be in the draw for a hundred dollar voucher. The way it's framed can be terribly bastardized, yeah. and so it becomes meaningless. It only becomes a it becomes a vanity metric that people are abusing rather than using effectively. Have you seen it used well in any business? I have seen a great presentation by Harriet Wakelum. I don't know if she's still at Medibank. But there was a couple of years ago I saw at a conference in Australia where she was able to extract value from the NPS scores. But from recollection, it was down to an open text field, perhaps, that was you know extracting some qualitative value, which in itself is kind of not NPS in my world. It's the value or the, the sort of the bit that people tend to focus on is that sort of rating scale of is it 0 to 10 or 1 to 10. Um, I'm never too sure. But that's the only one where I said, actually, you know what, there's, there's something good coming out of that. And that's fine if you're getting something that's qualitative out of the process of using NPS. But using the scale on its own, I just don't see any value. It's, yep. it's made up. Yeah. It's almost like a, a signal to do further research. Well, it, so it, in a way... It is a signal. Yeah. And I mean... It, but the, you got to take it as a signal. You can't it, just leave it. Its simplicity is that it's very easy to put into a survey. It's very easy to calculate. There's no deep science to the mathematics of it. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's very easy to, to stick into a survey, to put onto a checkbox form, yeah. and then ask someone to score from 0 to 10 what their experience was. And then get a number, which you can then aggregate across a large volume and see an overall trend for either part of a process or for the overall product experience or company experience at large. Yeah. But I think that a lot of those numbers get blurred together. So is it the the particular experience they just had that they're ranking? Is it 
the perception of the overall product or the company or the brand that they're associated mm. with. And I think all of those things get blurred together. And in some respects, they should because that's part of the customer experience. But as a measurement tool, it becomes very difficult to work out what are you actually measuring yeah. when you when you do that part of the, the survey process. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to get people on to the, the This Is HCD podcast when I was running the show on my own, like that sort of podcast as opposed to the product management specific one. And I found it very difficult to get people to come on to talk to about NPS. And I had a lot of people kind of say, no, that'd be really interesting. What do you want to talk about? And I said, I want to talk about how bad it is. And they would kind of shirk away from the conversation a little bit. And I think the reason why businesses are attached to it is because it's a simple number. And um, they said it's simple. And my response to that is it's not simple. So they're looking for the easy way out by mm. using NPS, like to really value customer experience and service design and UX. It's not an easy job. You know, you need dedicated people to be to be doing great research, to be bringing it back, to surface it into insight and actionable insights at that, to be able to, to deliver value and solve those problems for the customers. NPS just does not do that. And there's no ways that you can change the conversation that it will happen. It's just, it, as Nick said, it's a blunt tool. And it's a signal. It's a signal for you to do to do further research. It's a signal for you to, but potentially it might not be. It might be a great NPS score, yet nothing positive is happening. Mm. Yeah. And, and, a lot, and a lot of the, the interactions that you have, if things work well, then your satisfaction doesn't really change. Like, yeah, it worked. Like if I go to the bathroom and I flush the toilet, I don't give it an NPS score because it actually worked. Mm. It just did what it had to do. And most organisations seem to be throwing in NPS surveys at the most mundane points of their service design or service interaction. Yeah. And to say, look, so how was that for you? You say, well, it did what it was meant to do. I'm not delighted. Yeah. And so the resulting NPS score is either they don't leave one or they don't state to the to the survey, yes, I would absolutely recommend this to my friends and family because that was the most mundane experience I expected. Yeah. It just it doesn't play out that way. Yeah. And but products and services are not linear. Okay, they're they're radial and they're they're totally fluid. So um by placing NPS at sporadic locations, you're not getting a read on anything of value. So that, like for instance, if it was a bank and you were calling up about your, I don't know, you're trying to do a direct debit with someone, and they gave me an NPS score, but yet my card hasn't arrived in the post, and I've been waiting two weeks for it. There's two different silos in the bank there, and the score is not going to be reflective on the overall experience. It's going to be reflective on being able to set up that direct debit. I had an interesting experience some years ago at a car hire company. Yeah. And as I turned up to the car hire to drop the car off, as I was stepping out of the car, they asked me, so how was your experience with the car? And they asked me to essentially rate it verbally and gave mm. me an NPS score at the time. And I said, that was, it was fine. The car worked. It was great. Would you recommend this brand? Sure. Then walked into the office to, to hand over the keys and do all the, the paperwork and everything went pear-shaped. They found a tiny ding on the car and then I had a terrible experience yeah. that wasn't captured in the NPS score. So they'd very deliberately pick the point when people are the happiest moment of the experience, which is, ah, I arrived safely, it's all good, to yeah. pick the point for the survey and not the point after which they may have incurred additional charges where they'd be at their most miserable. Yeah. I tore up the score. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that's the thing. Like, It's when it's been placed, we'll, we'll give them a false positive because in this read that 
people will automatically get behind and kind of go, you know, this is our MPS score has gone up. And I so think the, what? And I think the question is really for MPS anyway, a really odd question because you're asking humans to predict what they would do in the future. And I don't think at that point, after using a particular product or service that you've really thought through, well, will I recommend this? It's such an odd question to ask people mm. because you don't know. You don't know in future who you're talking to, what situation it might be. You might be happy now, but you might not be happy in the future. So it's... I mean, if, if you think about how it plays out, so I don't know how many MPS scores I fill in you know, or, or complete once a week or once a month. There must be, let's call it five a month. I'm fairly confident that I don't rush out to my friends and say, you know what, five of the products I want to talk to you about today, these were amazing <laughs> things. I did this survey, I have to talk to you about it, it's going to be incredible. Yeah. It just doesn't happen. For the volume of surveys that we perform, there's absolutely no way that we actually run around promoting all of these services and products, even if we scored them a 10 out of 10 in a net promoter score. Yeah. It's, from that perspective, it's complete fantasy. And so when we talk about this being as a metric and a value metric for the business, that's where I get really frustrated about it because it simply doesn't correlate to business return. It doesn't correlate to growth. Customer satisfaction does because you may actually talk to customers about, to other people, but completing a, a survey about would you refer it to somebody is a fanciful question that doesn't mean anything. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked about the problems about NPS, but what are some of the other alternative measurements? How is it that we can measure the success of our, the services that we provide to our customers, the products that we sell them, and how satisfied our customers are using these products and services? Well, I think when I've challenged people on Net Promoter School, where I've heard about it being used well, is that when they use it in a much more targeted way for different parts of a customer flow. Now, the question I think is still wrong. So I think a better measure is to say for this particular interaction, mm. um, how satisfied were you with this thing you just did when you completed the task, um, when you completed the outcome, when you tried to do this particular thing and make it laser focused on that outcome and mm. not try to pretend that it actually turns into a customer referral at some point in the future. That to me is the, is the logic break yep. in the system. Yep, if I there's a sequential agree. flow. So if you're doing like from onboarding all the way through to exit in terms of a customer journey and it's been MPSed at each stage and you can sort of see visibly that there's a drop over time in a certain part of the journey. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely, yep. But I guess I think, there's, but like, I there's think something in that. Yeah, but he's also saying that the question that's posed in an NPS methodology is fraught with difficulties and potentially we need to look at framing the question differently mm. and asking the person, and it has to be a lagging indicator instead of a leading indicator, right? Because it's how satisfied are you with what you've just completed on our platform, on our service, on our product, as opposed to mm. a leading indicator, which is, will you recommend this to somebody else? Well, I don't know. It's mm. going to be zero yeah. because I might be satisfied, but I might not necessarily and, recommend and I, and that. I think what you're saying there sort of talks to the fallacy of the Net Promoter Score, which yeah. is it, its intent is to be a predictor of growth, Yeah, which is if my Net Promoter Score is going up, then theoretically my referrals are going up, my word of mouth and sales is going will up. increase, People therefore love me. it will be a driver of my yes. business. Yeah. But in fact, if that assumption actually is not true yes. and can't be validated – then all it is is a customer satisfaction lagging indicator at best. 
Yeah. Um, and so I think it's yes. better. To, I think it's better to call it out and say, for this particular registration flow, or for the call you were just on, for the operator you were just with, or for the the action you just performed, how satisfied were you that you were able to complete your task, or that you had a good experience? You yeah. choose what sort of framing you need to for that. But I think they're, they're more useful questions. They're still numerical ones, so you don't get the insight, you just get an indicator, yeah. but they're still more targeted to the the recent interaction that person's involved but in. But then what, the targetedness is useful because then you get your service designers and your UX designers or you know experienced designers to go out and understand more of a problem if the satisfaction level was lower than your intention. Yeah, maybe. I just feel that any of the businesses that I've been in tend to lack the maturity to have good quality researchers to go out and do that work and also for the business to champion it. There's usually a disconnect between the C-level or the senior stakeholders and that quality of research. They seem to be a lot more attached and more attracted to that NPS score and that in itself is where the biggest problem is. It's the disrespect for quality of research. And it's one of the indicators for me when I'm when I'm trying to evaluate an organizational design maturity. Where do they put the emphasis on the quality of research and how are they going to be able to act on that? Too often they're like attached to that MPS score. And as we were saying with Nick, it's because of the business KPIs that are attached in and the I slipstream. Think the personal KPIs. Personal KPIs, KPIs personal yep. to KPIs. an NPS increase. I think that's a really important point because I think the rise of, of NPS has been driven in many cases by the fact that you, a, a person's professional KPI has been bound to this number. Yeah. Yes. And so as soon as someone says, well, my KPI is that I have to move my uh, the score. net promoter score for my product yeah. from a 50 to a 60 – or from a zero to a three, or whatever it might be, or from a negative to a positive, depending on how, yeah. how much in the hole they are, then rather than actually focusing on customer experience, it's how do I get someone to fill the survey in properly and yeah. give it a nine or a ten. And it, so gaming it, it totally games it. And whole teams can be focused on trying to effectively, deliberately or inadvertently, gaming that number when it doesn't really reflect improvements in the product. Yeah. But, but you can see why people use it. You can see why people have it because it's so hard to put proper measurement and KPIs in place for individuals and for businesses. It's extremely difficult. You know, how do you measure a good product manager? How do you measure a good UX person? How do you measure a good service designer? Those yeah. are really difficult questions to answer. Mm. And there's a and difficult so, problem to solve. Yes. And so that whole MPS seems to be so simple. The calculation, mm. like you say, is simple. The premise is simple. And so if they don't have that, what is it that they should yeah. use? Yeah. Well, and it's, how it's, do we calculate that? If it seems too easy. It is too easy. It is too easy. Mm. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a sugary donut. And I'm looking at Adrian because she's brought sugary donuts today. <laughs> if you eat that every single day, you become fat and unhealthy and you will die. And that is what MPS is. I think Thanks, I'm, Jerry I, Scullion. I, I think I might have nicked uh, a metaphor for Jared Spool there, but I don't mind. Yeah, I'm sure he doesn't mind. But um, yeah, that that's to me, if it seems too easy, it, it is too easy. Mm. And it is. It is a, it's like a sugar pill. It's not real medicine. Yeah. It's a placebo metric that even if it's used well, mm. is actually giving you incorrect information. Yeah. And look, to be honest, if you see a net promoter score move from a low number to a high number, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but it doesn't really give you any positive insights and it doesn't necessarily mean the customer is <coughs> satisfied. But, you know, if you see an NPS score go from low to high, 
and yet your most important indicators for a, the health of a business, yeah. which in most cases of profitable businesses is around, you know, your revenue, your net profitability, if those don't move, it doesn't actually mean anything. Mm. Yeah. So we've talked a lot about some of our actual experiences about MPS, but as practitioners, you go into businesses all the time. And let's say you went into a business that was super focused on using MPS and measuring recommendations, essentially. What will you do as a product manager, Nick Costa, and what will you do as a service designer, Jerry Scullion? Well, the first thing I'd want to find out from the current use of MPS is at what point are they trying to measure it and after what experience. Mm. So that sets the tone for what they think they're trying to measure. And in some respects, I start to work my way backwards from that. I would then say, well, if it's simply at the end point or of of any customer experience and Mm. they're all being aggregated together, I'd probably cry quietly into my tea because it's, it's total garbage. It's aggregates yeah. of aggregates of garbage. And then I'd say, well, let's see which touch points we're actually trying to measure and find out if there's a better question we can ask at the end of those experiences that's not the NPS question. Like how easy or difficult did you find this task to be? Did you complete this task in a reasonable time frame? What's the actual measure of success that we're trying to drive at mm. that particular interaction point? And are we achieving the goal with that particular customer? Yeah. What about you, Jerry? I mean, I've worked in a lots of them. Like banks, they love it. Bigger organisations tend to love it as well because it makes the complex simple. I would never turn around and say to them, that I think they're making a big mistake, but I'll definitely help them come to the water a little bit and hopefully let them drink. I try to uh, understand what they're doing with it and what insights that are coming off the back of that NPS score. So I'd be asking the question of, all right, great, so the score went up in the last quarter. What did you do with that? And how has that solved problems for the customers that have come out of the quality of research that I'm hopefully the UX team have still got high spirits and they're still going out there and they're fighting the war and they're still kind of bringing those insights back to the business. But um, I would be trying to identify the disparity between the two because there will be, depending on what Nick said, where, where it's been applied, that MPS has been applied, there will be a disparity between the two worlds. And I'd be helping the stakeholders understand that there are problems out there that they're not getting solved and they have been there. Those problems have been there for a period of time. Now, it's something that I've spoken about a little bit before where I've got this methodology called the wall of pain and I put it up. I, I did it. I know, Adrian, you've seen it in some of the organizations that I've been in, but I put a dollar value in each one of those problems and I help the stakeholders see that there's these qualitative pieces that have come back into the business that have remained there for a period of time and there's a dollar value on them. And it's very interesting to see business people change the conversation and move away from an MPS kind of thinking into more of a qualitative thinking and, and taking those and acting on them. And, and well, in a financial absolutely. perspective as well. And I think if you associate a dollar value to a pain, a customer pain, that makes it more meaningful, really. Yeah. I was going to ask, what if businesses simply just collect MPS scores um, and, yes, try and move them towards a more positive side, but don't kind of link it to anything more meaningful, anything more financially relevant? How would you get them to do that? Well, I think as we were talking about this, I was thinking through one of the challenges here because the opposite of MPS is just focusing on the money. And if we focus yes. on the money it's on its own again, That's wrong. then we lose sight of the customer and the customer experience, yeah. which 
I think we were all in agreement that if you're having a really positive customer experience, if you're solving the customer's problem, the revenue will follow, provided mm-hmm. you haven't spent too much money building this experience in the first place. Yeah. yeah. But if the metric becomes purely financial and it's just about making money, then you can lose sight of the customer experience and, again, you have these, these mm-hmm. negative behaviours. So, again, the intent of Net Promoter Score is to try and track customer behaviour, which is a good thing. It's just the wrong tool. Um, so I think the link, I, I like the idea of the, the kind of the money wall, the, um, the pain mm, wall, the wall pain, of pain, yeah. where there is a, a deliberate connection between customer satisfaction or customer challenge or the customer problem and the cost or the opportunity financially that it represents. And I haven't seen anybody make an effort to correlate a net promoter score with a dollar figure. And I think that mm. to me is one of the other missing links. So one of the things I champion for is if you're going to say it's really important for us to get from a net promoter score of, again, 20 to 30, then there should be a discussion of, well, how much is that worth to you? Yeah. Is it worth another million dollars to the business? How much money will you spend to get from 10 to 20? And if you're going to spend $20 million to make a million dollars, it's probably not that big a deal, okay? Deal with the way it is. On the other hand, if you're actually focusing on the real customer pain points, you can spend a little and make a lot because you've got a much clearer focus on where the pain really is. Yeah. So any final last words on NPS for today? Because I think it's a topic that we can continue to explore in future episodes. But do you have any last words to say? Should we use it? Should we not? I think that in many cases it's so entrenched that to say, no, you can't use it, is a career-limiting move. (laughs) However, I think that recognising that and recognising that it's a bit of smoke and mirrors that keeps some executives kind of happy and and placid is one thing, but then go deeper. Ask the right questions. Sometimes keep the net promoter score in because you need to, because people's financial goals are attached to it. But then ask deeper questions to find out where the real pain points are and where the real customer experience opportunities are. Yeah. I mean, as Nick said, it's going to be there. It's not something that we're hoping like with an episode, it's just going to go away and going to go, hey, who knew? All we had to do was a podcast. But I would say that if it's just the NPS you're doing on, on your own and that's the only metric that you're getting back, you've got a bigger problem there in your hands. Like, you know, make sure you're, you're doing other forms of research, especially qualitative research, ethnography. They're the key pieces where you want to get that really, really rich insights that you're actually going to help change the experience and you, you're going to make things better. If you're not doing that and you're just relying on NPS, you know, I'm sorry, but you're going into war with a with a paper sword. And that's kind of what I say to any of the clients that I've ever worked with. Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. I've Thanks enjoyed for this us. conversation. A pleasure. And I think um, just as a farewell thought that if you're using NPS as a vanity metric, I think the first thing that you need to do is to try and find some way to make meaning out of that that score try and use it as a signal to go deeper and not simply as a measure to make your team and your organisation feel better. Thank you so much for your time today. No worries. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for listening to ProdPod. If you want to learn more about the wonderful shows on This Is HGD, we've got others, such as The Power of Ten with Andy Pallane, Bringing Design Closer with Jerry Scullion, an ethnopod with Dr. John Curran. Please visit thisishcd.com where you can sign up to our newsletter, join our Slack channel, connect with other human-centred practitioners around the world. Thank you for listening and speak to you next time.